What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. I am so excited for you to hear this episode as I'm speaking with one of the most inspirational people I have ever met, Dr. John Martini, a world-leading specialist in human behavior, a researcher, author, and amazing global educator. Dr. Martini has dedicated more than 45 years of studying and teaching personal development and self-mastery. His dream and his purpose in life is to help people all over the world, including me, to live more empowered and inspired lives. After growing up with learning difficulties, which meant he didn't learn to read until he was 18 years old, Dr. Martini was driven by a desire to be free from the constraints life had placed on him and decided to transform his life. Dr. Martini is the perfect example of how you can do anything you set your mind to, no matter who you are or where you come from. Now, the founder of his own private research and education organization, the Martini Institute, he has also trademarked his own personal development methodologies, the Martini Method and the Martini Value Determination Process, which you may have heard of. Both designed to help you get clarity and move closer to living your dream life. I have personally attended his Breakthrough Experience course and I was completely blown away by the insight and learnings I walked away with. In this incredible episode, you'll learn how to discover what you truly value in life, the importance of living a life aligned with your true core values and not someone else's, how to prioritize what matters most to you and reduce the distraction and time you spend on anything outside of that how to stop comparing your actions to other people's values and learn to honor your true self. The power of giving yourself permission to structure your life in alignment with what inspires you the most. How to be more present and appreciate the everyday by embracing a daily gratitude practice. And so much more. There is so much wisdom in this episode that I truly hope you get as much out of this podcast as I have from Dr. Martinez's teaching over the years. So let's get right into it. So hello, Dr. Martini, and welcome to our Dream Life podcast. I am so incredibly excited and very honored to be speaking with you today. Thank you for taking the time out of your incredibly busy schedule while you're here in Australia. 
And before we start, I just want to say you are such an inspiration to so many, including myself. And I did the breakthrough last year and I absolutely loved, loved, loved it. So very warm welcome to you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, and even after more than 45 years of studying, researching, and teaching personal development, self-mastery, human behavior, and healing, you are still traveling the world, helping people live more empowered and inspired lives. I cannot wait to dig into this conversation and explore your incredible personal journey and wisdom with our listeners. But first, I'd like to start each episode by asking each of my guests to think back to their childhood. And I'd love to ask you about your childhood, what your dreams were as a child, and what did, what did you dream about for your future as a child? Well, I think as a young boy, really around four or five or so, I wanted to be a baseball player. Oh. And I started baseball when formally, I mean, I was playing with my dad. He he used to throw the ball three feet and we'd catch it yeah. and then four feet and then five feet and went across the yard and it went down the street and yeah. he taught me how to throw and catch a baseball. And so when I was seven, I was playing in the Pee Wee League and then I was eight, I played in the Little League, which I was supposed to start at nine, but I got in at eight. And when I was nine, I got to play in the more advanced league. Just kept working my way up until I was 13. I did really well in baseball, but I did really poorly in school. I was, had learning problems. Yeah. Then my parents moved from Houston, Texas to Richmond, Texas. And baseball wasn't the same there. The, the coach wouldn't show up. Half the team wouldn't show up. Oh. We had to forfeit games. People on the other side had to play on our side. It was just crazy. It wasn't the same professional type yeah. arrangement, small town. And so I went to an alternative sport, which was uh, surfing. Yeah. And I, my dream was to go and ride waves, first in California, then Hawaii. Yeah. So when I was 14, I hitchhiked to California from Texas, which is a couple thousand miles, and then down through Mexico. And so I said, surf. I just wanted to surf. When I was 15, I made it to Hawaii, and I rode on the North Shore. I lived on the North Shore. So I became a big wave rider when yeah. I was a teenager, and that was my dream until I turned 17, yeah. and then I ended up having a close brush with not making it, not living. One night, I had the opportunity to meet a really an amazing teacher at a particular class that I attended that I never went to classes, but this time I did, and I met Paul Bragg, and Paul Bragg inspired me to believe that maybe I could overcome some learning problems that I had and that I could do something like maybe he was doing, which is inspiring. And I had a dream to travel the world and to become a teacher. And so those are the three main dreams I've had. I thought about being an international sex symbol, but there's been no evidence of that in all these years. So I, I, I just know that that's not a real goal. That was a joke. But I, I realize that my love is learning and sharing and traveling the world teaching. Mm. And that's what I love doing. That's what I've been doing now 46 years. Mm. And you're doing an incredible job out of all that. I think I read somewhere, and you might need to correct me, that you're traveling 360 days of the year. Is that correct? Well, I really travel full time. I live on a ship and uh, call the world. And when I'm there, which is rare, I travel. Yeah. And then when I'm not there, I'm going from country to country, city to city. I can do sometimes 60 countries in a year, and I'm constantly traveling. So I'm... I. You know, I've done, I think, 36 or seven talks so far this year, wow. and we're yeah. just barely into it. 
and I'm constantly doing presentations and interviews and media and consulting and and I love doing it. I, I get to go, when I leave here, I get to go to Dublin, then I go to London and then I go to LA and I and to Vegas and I think I go to Africa. So I'm constantly on the move. So I'd love to talk about the Demartini value determination process now, as this is something I personally find so inspiring and practical when trying to figure out what what I valued in most in my life. So first, thank you for that because I, I've done a lot of work on my values, but it wasn't until I found your <coughs> way of doing it that it really got to the true, what I believe is my true values. And in fact, I loved it so much that I referenced it in my book, which I gave you, The Dream Life Starts Here, as a, as a great starting point for anyone wanting to make their dream life a reality. But for our listeners who may not be familiar with this, can you explain the idea behind the process, but also how important you believe it is to live a life aligned with your core values? Oh, that's an important question. So thank you for that. I, um, I've observed that many people say they want to do something sort of fantasia-wise, and then they don't get around to doing it. And I was wondering, why is it that so many people say they want to do something and then don't do it? Yeah. Like I asked, I can stand in front of 10,000 people and say, how many of you want to be financially independent? Every hand will go up. And they said, how many of you are? And all the hands go down. And I go, well, why is it there's such a discrepancy between what people say they want and what they actually live? There's an incongruency. And then I realized that, that there people have a set of values, a set of priorities, things that are most important to least important in their life. And that really determines their perceptions, decisions, and actions, and therefore their destiny. And if they set a goal that is not aligned or congruent with what they really value most, they are less likely to achieve it. And they don't have the spontaneity and the desired inspired action to take action to make it happen. And they don't have the resilience and adaptability to endure the challenges that come with achievement. And so they are living in somewhat of a fantasy instead of uh, ground themselves and really setting goals that are really meaningful to them. And I, I see this more than people comprehend and realize. It's just amazing. So I realized that when I ask people what their values are, what they really value in life, a great percentage of people would recite what they think it should be. Mm. And they were reciting mothers and fathers and preachers and teachers and conventions and traditions and everything else. And I said, well, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what your life really demonstrates because that's what really counts. See, I can make up stuff about what's important to me, but what my life demonstrates is that I love researching, writing, traveling, and teaching. Yeah. So the rest of it is just kind of fluffy, you know, not true. So I tried to figure out a way of objectively identifying what was really behind their actions and what did they really live their life by. And I found that one of the criteria, things that are really, really, really valuable to you, you keep in your space. Yeah. And you keep with you. Yeah. And things that aren't very valuable, you toss and get rid of and don't want it around you. So I looked, and one of the value determinants is space. Uh, if somebody gives you a beautiful diamond ring, you're probably going to keep it around you, and you're not going to take it off easy unless you're really upset, and then you'll probably get rid of the ring and keep the diamonds. If something is really, really zero value, it goes in the trash, and you want it out of the house. So I looked at that, and, and things that are proximal versus distal are more important than things distal. Then I looked at time. We find time, make time, spend time, figure out how to get time, things that are really valuable to us and always say, well, I, I just don't have time. I can't do that on things that aren't. And people sometimes think, well, I just don't have time to do things, but they have time to do what's really more important. They just think the other things are important. And they keep thinking they're sabotaging, but they're really just living by what they value. And so finding out how they spend their time is, is crucial. And then the next one is what energizes you. When you're really doing something that's high in your values, your energy goes up. 
And when you're not, it really goes down. So you look at what energizes you, what you always have energy for. I've, I, I mean, I can go 18, 20 hours a day doing what I do. And people go, where do you get all the energy? It's simple. Once you understand what energy is, it's just a degree of congruency in your life. There's no lack of energy. And then I look at what did people spend money on. People find money, make money, spend money on things that are valuable. And they just don't want to spend money on things that have no value. So I look at that. And as I go through and ask people, you know, how do you spend that? And I ask them for three answers for each. The same answers, if, if it's real, it, the answers come up the same. Yeah. There's a pattern. Yeah. And then I look at what, where they're most organized, where they're most disciplined and reliable. Because really, you're always reliable to do what you value. See, if you expect somebody to live outside their highest values, you're going to feel betrayed. But if you expect people to live according to values, they're, gonna, they're not going to betray you. They're going to be doing what they expect. And then I look at what they think about, visualize, and talk to themselves about internally, about how they want their life that is evidence, showing evidence of coming true. If there's no evidence, it's just fantasy. So I look at what is the evidence in your life? What do you spontaneously do that shows evidence? That tells me what's really valuable to you, because you won't stop and you won't give up on things that are really valuable. Then I look at what you converse with other people and want to talk to people about most. Because you tend to want to bring the conversation. People come up to me in the seminars and go, well, well, how's your kids? Well, obviously, I have a value on kids. It tells me right away. Or how's your investments? Or how's your business? Or how's your golf game? Or how's your studying coming? They tell me and reveal what's valuable by the things they want to converse about. And then I look at what inspires them. And what's the common to the people who have inspired them most? There's a pattern. And I, I, I document those three things. And then I look at what is it that they have as goals that are coming true. The most consistent and meaningful and persistent goals they have that are coming true. And then I look at what it is that they can't wait to get up and read, study, learn about, listen to, watch YouTubes on, because there's something that they constantly go back to. And if I put three answers for each and get 39 answers, and then look at which one of those answers or their synonyms re resurfaced over and over and over again most, second most, third most, it gives me a hierarchy of values that is revealed by what their life demonstrates. Because I really don't care what people say. Yeah. I care about what their life demonstrates. Because yeah. that's really what counts. Because you can't persistently try to live in other people's values while eventually breaking down and you keep returning to what's really valuable to you. And once I find that, it's time to structure your life around that. Because if you're not living by high values where you're spontaneously inspired within to do it, your life's going to be a quiet life of desperation. And if you don't delegate lower priority things, you're going to be trapped. Yeah. And many people are afraid to delegate, and they get trapped doing low, menial things that devalue them. And the symptoms of the devaluation is a feedback system to try to get them back onto high priority mm -hmm. and give them permission to be authentic in their true identity, which is an expression of their highest value. So I, I help people find out what their values are, help them structure their lives, prioritize their lives, organize their lives by priority so they can start having you know uh, an energy, a vitality, a clarity. In fact, what's interesting is when you do live by what's valuable, the blood glucose and oxygen goes into the forebrain, activates the executive center, wakes up inspired vision, strategic planning, executing plans, self-governance, and you tend to act like a master of history, master of your destiny, instead of some victim of history. And so it's so important to give yourself permission to go after what's truly meaningful and not conform and subordinate, live in the shadows of people Give yourself permission to stand on the shoulders of giants. Recognize whatever you see great in other people you have inside or you wouldn't recognize it. Honor the form that it's in 
and express your uniqueness and make the difference you want in life. Yeah, I love that. And mm-hmm. I found that your online tool so helpful. So we will link to that in the podcast so people can um, do that themselves. But for those people who are distracted in the world, you know how we see a lot of people on the phone these days. So what, how do you help those people get away from that and actually do what they really value? Well, first identify what the values are and then ask themselves honestly. I just got through doing that consulting with a person minutes ago. They were saying, I just can't get it all done. I can't get it all done. I said, well, that means you're doing lower priority things. Yeah. Because you can always get what's really most important. You know, Gary Keller wrote The One Thing, a book called yeah. The One Thing. It's yeah. a great little book. Yeah, I love it. I've lectured for his company many times. And and if you if you ask yourself, what is the absolute highest priority one thing that you can do right now that can help you fulfill what's most meaningful and productive in your life and target that and say no to things that aren't the most important and say yes to things that are, you're amazing what you can get done in a day. Your self-worth goes up, your accomplishments go up, and then surround yourself with people that will be inspired to do the things that you want to delegate. Man, that liberates. But so many people are allowing themselves to not say no to things outside and, and not say yes to things that's really most important because they don't take the time to do it. They don't believe either they're worthy or capable of actually taking command of their life sometimes. So finding what that real priority is and sticking to it is key. And and you know. With a car, phone, I, I don't have a phone. I don't carry a phone. People oh, really? go, Yeah, I don't have a phone. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> because I've just found it just, you know, distracting and yeah. people want to intrude on you and stuff like that. I said, no. If I use it, I use my Skype on my, my computer occasionally. Yeah. But I want my time. I want my life. And, I, and I, I want to fill it with how I want it. And I, I don't find that productive. Uh, if, if I'm going to use the phone, which is very rare, it's usually somebody else's phone, <clears throat> and it's usually for interviews. <laughs> And, and uh, But what I usually do is I, I have an agenda. I keep an agenda every day. It maps out hour by hour how I want my life. And I've made a list of all my priorities, how I want my life structured. And then I've hired people to make sure that day is filled with that. And it, when it's filled with things that are inspiring, it's easy to say no to things that aren't. Yeah. And if you don't fill it, it weird stuff fills it. Yeah. You know, if you don't fill your day with high priority actions that inspire you, it does fill up with low priority distractions that don't. So it's your responsibility because nobody's going to get up in the morning and dedicate their life to your fulfillment. You don't do it, nobody else is. And if you don't empower all areas of your life, you don't empower yourself, you know, with your mind, you'll be told what to think. You don't empower yourself in business, you'll be told what to do. If you don't empower yourself in finance, you'll be told what you're worth. This don't do it in relationship, you'll be pushed around and bitched at. If you don't empower yourself in social, you'll be probably following some propaganda that's irrational. If you don't empower yourself in physical, you probably take some drug or take organs out of your body. And if you don't empower yourself uh, spiritually, you'll be probably taught some irrational dogma that doesn't make sense. So empower yourself. Give yourself permission to take the lead. Mm. The true you is a leader. So great. I absolutely love that. I've done the online tool quite a few times because in the, when I did it the first time, I thought my highest value was learning because it came up because I read, read, you know, I always bring books and I always carry books and I always buy books and it's around me everywhere. But then I realized that I don't want to learn, you know, I don't want to learn how to fix a machine or something. It was more personal development and improvement all the time. And, and that's how I kind of really got into more of that. So it's been really helpful. So thank you very much yes, for that. Thank you. So as someone who educates and inspires others to live a life aligned with their values, you must clearly have a very defined values of your own, which I know you have. Can you tell us what your core values are? I know you, you said it before, but really talk about a little bit more in depth how you actually got to them. 
all you got to do is is be a a hovering observer of yourself and look at what your life demonstrates that tells you what you really value. In my case, I I didn't think, you know, I had learning problems as a child. Yeah. In fact, when I was when I was born, I believe I was one and a half to age four, I was going to a speech pathologist because I had had to use strings and buttons in my mouth as a kid. And I had difficulty pronouncing and speaking and things. And also when I got into first grade, I was realized I couldn't read. So I didn't read till I was 18. And uh, so I had learning problems, speaking problems. And I was also born with my leg and arm and uh, turned inward. So I had to wear braces on my arm and leg from age about two to four or so. And I think that constraint wanted me to be free. So when I look at all those ingredients, it's pretty obvious that to become a professional speaker that full-time travels and to read and to write, all the things that I had the most difficulty with became, you know, the very things they say you would never do, maybe the things you're meant to do, I don't know. But in my case, uh, they certainly had a void value drive. And so when I turned uh, 17, 18, and I met Paul Bragg, I never thought I would ever be intelligent. I always thought I was going to have to do it in sports because the teacher told me I would never make it in education and reading and things. I'll have to use sports. And I thought that was it. So I was, you know, daring in sports. But then when I met Paul Bragg, after hearing him speak, he gave me the impression that maybe, just maybe, I could someday be intelligent. And I just never thought that was possible until I met him that night. And that was a dream, but it was not believed possible. Yeah. But I just, at that, that night, I, I saw a vision of me standing in front of a large group of people, a million people from a big balcony. And I saw myself speaking and I went, whoa, where'd that come from? Probably a dissociative identity disorder. <laughs> and, and I just thought that was so real. And it, was, it brought tears to my eyes. And I went, that's what I would love to do. And I guess that vision has been carrying me all these years mm. because um, I just never wanted to stop doing that. And I had to learn how to read. I, when I moved from Hawaii to Texas, my parents suggested I take a GED test, which is a high school equivalency test, because I didn't have high school, yeah. never finished high school. And what I did is I, I took this test and I guessed and passed. Wow. And I was saying to this affirmation, I'm a genius and I apply my wisdom because Paul Bragg told me to say it every day to help me overcome my learning problems. And I said it and I passed. I thought, ooh, maybe there's some power in this thing. <laughs> and then I took this college entrance exam at their suggestion and I guessed and I passed. So now I'm all of a sudden having a high school degree. You know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, an, I'm intelligent after all. And then I took my first class in school and is, is English and history, the first two classes. In history class, I got my scores and I thought, oh, I'm going to pass again. I got a 27. And everybody else was 70 and above. Yeah. And I got this 27. I was so humiliated by it. I ran to my car. I got inside. I cried. I drove home. I cried. I got on the, the floor in my living room and I just curled up under this Bible stand and just cried because I thought this whole thing is just bull. This idea of being a teacher and traveling and it's just fantasy. And I'm sitting here with internal conflict and turmoil because I'm thinking, well, I know I can surf. I can make it that way. I know I can make boards, but maybe this whole thing was a fantasy after I don't have what it takes. I'm really stupid. And my mom came home from shopping and she saw me. She said, son, what, what's wrong? What happened? I said, mom, I blew the test. And I was apologetic to her because I know she encouraged me to want to go to school. 
And I said, I just don't think I have what it takes. I guess I'll never be able to read or write or communicate and around thing, never go very far in life. And she didn't know what to say. She just kind of stared at me. And then finally she said something that only a mother could say. She put her hand on my shoulder and she said, son, whether you become a great teacher, healer, and philosopher and travel the world like you dream, whether you return to Hawaii and ride the giant waves like you've done, or you go to the streets and panhandle as a bum as you've also done, I just want to let you know your father and I are going to love you no matter what. Mm. And when she said that, it's exactly what I need to hear. Mm. When she said that, I, my hand went into a fist and I looked up and I saw that vision of me standing in front of a million people. And it was just lucid again. And I said to myself, I'm going to master this thing reading. I'm going to master this thing studying. I'm going to master this thing learning and teaching. And I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to travel whatever distance to pay and pay whatever price to give my service of love across the planet. I'm not going to let any human being stop me, not even myself. And it was just like no turning back moment. And I gave my mom a hug and I went into my room and I got a dictionary out, a Funkin' Wagnalls dictionary. And I started reading it. I made a commitment that I was going to memorize that book. And I couldn't get meaning out of words and I had spelling problems. And my mom tested me on 30 words a day. So I would read the words alphabetically, check them off as I go, spell them, put them in a sentence, make sure they had meaning, explain the meaning, definition. And if I did 30 of them perfectly, I could stop. If not, I had to go do it again until I got it perfect. My mom would test me every day. And I grew my vocabulary until I was able to pass school. And I started reading encyclopedias and dictionaries. I read eight complete sets, full multiple volume sets of encyclopedias to try to catch up with other kids because they were taking school for granted. I was serious. Yeah, yeah. And then I started excelling and I never uh, stopped. And, and about not even a year later, no, no, just weeks later, I had, I had some people come up to me and ask me to, to tell me what I'm learning because I was like so focused. And uh, I started having my first students. Almost a year, I was just about to turn 19. My mom said, what do you want for your birthday and for Thanksgiving and Christmas? So I was born on Thanksgiving Day. And I said, Mom, I want the greatest teachings on the face of the earth, the greatest writings humanity has ever created by the greatest minds from around the world. She said, you sure you don't want a t-shirt? <laughs> I said, no, Mom, I want the greatest teachings on planet earth. That's all. Aww. Well, she contacted her brother, who was a professor at MIT, a chemist and physicist that worked for Shell Corporation. He sent as a gift two giant six by six by six foot wooden crates filled with thousands of books down to our home. And with a crowbar, I opened it up and I filled my room with books and had this little yoga mat in the center where I could face the sun in the morning. And I just sat and I started reading and learning those books with a dictionary. Any word I didn't know, I'd look up the word and memorize it. And I just started devouring book after book after book, 18, 20 hours a day. I just wanted to learn. And then the more I learned, the more I wanted to share, and more people seemed to want to know. And so by the time I was, I graduated from Wharton, I had, I had uh, students already developing. When I went to the University of Houston, I had 150, sometimes swell up to 400 people, but it used to 100, 150 every day, gathered around and asking questions out under these trees. And then when I went to professional school, I started teaching classes every night, and I got to teach some of the classes I was supposed to take, and uh, it just never stopped. I just kept going. And I guess I'm still doing it. I'm, I you sure are. <laughs> I haven't, uh, haven't got enough of it, I guess. I still, yeah. I still love traveling and doing that. Yeah, that's amazing. It's, um, I, I never, when I did Breakthrough with you, I was so impressed by the knowledge. And you, you know, it's so inspiring for our listeners to hear this because sometimes we are told that we are not 
good enough or whatever it is when we're from teachers or parents or whatever they are, peers. Um, so this is super inspiring for everyone to hear. Anytime you live congruently by what you value most, your certainty, your confidence, your belief, your, your self-worth, uh, your clarity all go up. I mean, I've had people, I mean, I have to say thousands of people that thought they had problems and thought they had, you know, laziness and yeah. self-esteem, all those labels on them. Yeah. And all those are subordinating to other people's labels and believing them. And I would go and find out what their life was really demonstrating that was truly important and help them structure it. And a huge difference emerged. Yeah. And uh, so I'm a firm believer there's no such thing as a person that can't do something extraordinary. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting congruent. Yeah. So inspiring. Thank you. One of your books I absolutely love is You Can Have an Amazing Life in Just 60 Days, featuring 60 <clears throat> inspiring laws to show how to live an amazing life. So we won't have time to go through all the 60 on this podcast, unfortunately. But if you could just choose three laws or tips for our listeners right now to help them live an amazing life, what would they be? Identifying what's really, really important to you so you're not pursuing fantasies, because those are self-defeating. Really, really getting clear and looking honestly at what your life demonstrates is important to you. And, and not comparing it to other people, but honoring yourself. People compare themselves to others instead of compare their daily actions to their own dreams. Mm. And then they judge themselves or judge others and distract themselves on futile, passionate frenzies to try to live in other people's values or getting other people to live in their values. And that judgment undermines relationships. But the second you get really clear about what it is, then give yourself permission to start structuring your life according to it. Ask yourself, really, what is the highest priority thing I can be doing that can help me fulfill that and move one step closer to that life? And not negating what's going on, but seeing it all on the way. Because it's all on the way. There's nothing. I've yet to see anything. I train people in the breakthrough experience and show them that nothing's happening in their life except what's on the way. It's all feedback. And, and it's not a setback. And the moment they get a glimpse of that, they realize, oh, there's something to be grateful for. So documenting what they're grateful for every day. I have the largest collection of gratitude of anybody I know. It's 4,500 pages. And it's the 10-point print, one-inch margin document every day of what I'm grateful for. And, and people go, whoa, that's neurotic, man. <laughs> no, that's amazing. I, I said, no, but it, that what it does is it, it gets a habit. Because my mom said when I was four, because I was born on Thanksgiving Day, uh, when you're grateful for what you got, you get more to be grateful for. And I found that to be true. So I, I stop. And I'm not saying that I stay grateful 24 hours a day because I do have buttons that get me sometimes. <laughs> but I do have a, 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 a ritual to stop and look at what was I able to do today and who did I get to meet and what I... I mean, you're already in there. I've already put yours in there, yeah. the, the interview today. Oh, thank so, you. So I document that because when you're grateful, your mind is more fluent and, and, and you're more likely to be congruent and more open and receptive to the synchronicities and the people, places, things, ideas, and events that are there on the way, not in your way, to help you achieve what it is that's dreaming, you're dreaming. So prioritizing, getting clear, prioritizing, and metricing also, keeping a record of what you say you want to do to see if you're doing it, to do one of two things, either to acknowledge that you're on track or to find out where you, what you can do to keep on track or to find out if it's really a fantasy and you're not really making effort towards it, to rule those out and get clear about it. So metric, I always say if you really, really care about something, you want to metric it. You want to see what the progress is. And those are important. And then realize to communicate 
what it is that is inspiring to you, practice communicating what is inspiring to you in a way that fulfills other people's lives. So you can then be able to be of service to people, earn an income doing what you love, so your vocation and vacation is the same. So you don't have Monday morning blues, Wednesday hump days, thank God it's Fridays and week friggin' ends running your life. Because <laughs> that's what most people do. They, they go do a job that they don't love to make money, to go and escape and blow the money on escapism, but then they have to go back to a job they don't want and they have a schizophrenic life. Yeah, absolutely love that. I have gotten so much out of your wisdom over the years, but one thing I've heard you speak on recently is there is never a setback, and you mentioned it before, or challenge without an opportunity. This is really something that resonates with me as I'm such a huge believer in the fact that every cloud has a silver lining. But I would love you to explain this a little. Yep. Well, if you were striving for a one-sided coin, a hedge without a tails, or a one-sided magnet, a positive without a negative, and your self-worth was based on how many magnets or coins you could accumulate, you would never be able to accumulate any because you'd be wanting to get rid of half of what you're searching for. And many people are doing that with their life. They're trying to get rid of half of themselves instead of embracing both sides of themselves. See, I learned a long time ago, over 34 years ago now, that I don't need to get rid of any part of myself. Uh, I, I'm not interested in a one-sided life. I think the perfection of life is the balance of opposites. So I'm not a kind person or a cruel person, but I have times when I can be kind and cruel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the saint and the sinner. I'm the virtue. I'm the vice. I'm the hero. I'm the villain. I'm, the, I'm everything and nothing is missing. I always say at the level of the existence or the essence of the soul, there's nothing missing in us. At the level of the existence of the senses, we think there are things missing in us. And we live in those perceptions of emptiness because we're trying to get rid of half of ourselves. And there's nothing to get rid of. There's something to honor within all aspects of yourself. And if we, if we do that, we, we open up the doorways of appreciation for ourselves. So I, I just don't try to one-tried myself because if we strive for a one-sided life, a futility occurs. Uh, the, the Buddha says the desire for that which is unavailable and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable is a source of human suffering. And we strive for this one-sided outcome, kind without cruel, nice without mean, positive without negative. And we expect everybody else to do it. We expect the world to do that. And the world has always got a pair of opposites. And when you finally embrace it, you have magnetism and you have worth. Mm. I, I try to tell people, there's nothing to get rid of. You, you're, there's a perfection inside you that you're not honoring. And you've classified a perfection as a one-sided pole that's not obtainable. And you're futilely going after something passionate like an animal to one side, trying to avoid the predator and seek the prey inside yourself. And you're judging yourself constantly. And you're comparing it to some outside morals, exogenous morals out there that have that may not even be real. Yeah. And uh, I tend to, to give people permission to love all parts of themselves because people want to be loved for all sides. Mm -hmm. And so give yourself permission to be you. I'm very grateful to be all those things. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sometimes I'm honest, sometimes I'm dishonest, sometimes I'm kind, I'm cruel, I'm considerate, inconsiderate. And, and we'll say, well, you should be one side. Well, I'm not. And no matter how hard I've tried, I've, I still have both sides. So I gave up on the futility of trying to get rid of half of me and allowed me to be me. Yeah. And I found out that when I was playing both sides, I still served other people. And that was a big freeing point yeah. to um, I try to help people realize that no matter what you've done or not done, you're worthy of love. Yeah. This will be so good for our listeners. Thank you so much. So often I'm asked by people how I live a balanced life, but I've heard you travel something like 360 days a year around the globe, which seems a little bit crazy to me. I travel a lot, but nothing like that. 
and yet you appear so grounded and calm. What would be your answer to people who ask how to live a grounded, balanced life? I think of it this way. I live in a big house. Yeah, I love that. Big, <laughs> I heard you say big that. Big freaking house. Yeah. And and I've I've said that the universe is my playground, the world is my home. Every country's a room in the house, every city's a platform and I get to share my heart and soul. So instead of uh, you know working at some office somewhere, driving in some traffic somewhere, going to a house, parking a car, a car in a garage, coming inside the house, "Honey, I'm home." and and you know, kicking the dog, you know, telling the kids what to do, this kind of stuff. That has no interest to me. That that reality doesn't make any sense to me. I like to think of it as that I live in a huge house. I'm never away from the people I love. We all live in a big house. Yeah. I don't need to drive somewhere to do it. I may fly. Can Skype because I it's a vehicle for expression, right? Like yeah. as if you're right there. I have a different perspective. I don't perceive things of I gained this or I lost that. I don't find that. I always say a master lives in a world of transformation, never the illusions of gain and loss. So I don't lose people if they're gone. I look for the new form in which they're manifesting in my life. And I honor the new form with resilience. And I train my kids to do that. And they're pretty resilient because of it. We have a jet set life. Like I'll catch my, I caught my daughters in Florida and I'll catch my son in Houston. I'll get to catch my other daughters in LA in a, couple, in a few days. And uh, we rendezvous. So we have a global family. You know, that people go, what? That's crazy. It's not to me. You know, I haven't driven a car in 29 and a half years. I don't have a cell phone. I, um, I don't cook. I last time I cooked, I was 24. Anything that does not absolutely inspire to me, I've delegated other people. And I let the people who love doing it, do it. Because they deserve to do it. It helps the economy that way. And it helps me go and produce and serve more. My kids are free to do what they love and create the life they want. And they're doing it. And I, I, I always said that they came through me, not to me. That I don't own them, you know. That I've, I've participated in a, and I think, a, I think it was about a two-minute experience actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and then, then they end up manifesting, and they have their own lives. But I love them, so I, there's no question about that. You never convince anybody they don't love their kids. But I don't have this uh, nine-to-five mm. type of existence. I, that's never been an interest of mine. Yeah. And people go, whoa. What about this? Where's your roots? Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and even that's questionable. Because I've, I've participated in the, the Ansari Prize for Spaceship One to go into space. And so now Spaceship Two is ready to go. So I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm ready to go. Go and visit wow. other space. And I, I've always been, a, you know, from a very young age, I've been traveling. I, I started traveling when I was three. My parents used to say, stay in the, stay in the yard now. And the second they weren't looking, off I went. Yeah. I was riding my bicycle 35 miles when I was nine years old, different directions. When I was 12, I was hopping trains to different cities. 13, I was hitchhiking to different cities. 14, I hitchhiked across America and throughout Mexico. So I've been traveling most yeah, of my life. Because yeah, yeah. I always say Earth is, uh, you know, the so, world is my home. I love that. And people, but I, I can be in Sydney, I'll be in Belfast, or I mean, I'll be in uh, Dublin in a few, and I leave tomorrow for it. And then I'll be in London, and I'll be in LA, and then Las Vegas. And then I'll be in South Africa. And so I always, when I sit next to pilots, sometimes on planes, I always ask what the key is to no jet lag. But do you don't feel it? I don't get jet lag. Wow. I, I delegate that. <laughs> I let everybody else have that. I, I don't Who have do you time delegate it to? I'd love to know. I, I don't have time for that. I'm too busy doing what I love to focus on that. Yeah. Uh, if, if you get present. See, the more you're living by what your highest value is, the more present you are. Mm. And the more present you are, the less you have the swings of perceptions of time. 
Yeah. It's not about living in the past or living in the future, more present. I guess jet lag requires time. <laughs> I, just, I just don't I will, deal with that. I'll take a note on that one. That's fantastic. I'd love to finish up asking you a few quick questions that I know our listeners would love to hear your answer for. If you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? Honor your, the truth about what's really truly inspiring to you. Give yourself permission to be your true self. Give yourself permission to honor what's really meaningful to you. So many people are worried about conforming and fitting in instead of standing out. And it's interesting. I asked, I was at Krugersdorp Prison in South Africa speaking to a thousand inmates in a maximum security prison, three stories underground, all orange uniforms. These are the 25 year to life sentence people. And I asked them, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happened in your life, how many of you still want to make a difference in the world? Every hand went up. Yeah. So it's innate within us mm. to want to be unique and stand out and contribute and make a difference. So that way we do it is not by fitting in. We fit in, we dilute our potential of individuality and expression. And, and we divide ourselves up by trying to judge ourselves and other people all the time. But and, and as Emerson says, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. We're not here to envy somebody and imitate them. We're here to be ourselves. Because mm. the second we minimize ourselves to somebody else, we'll judge somebody else downward. Mm. I learned that we, we never put up, look somebody up unless we look at their opposite as downward. And we're caught in judgments. And anything we judge above or below us occupies space and time within us and runs us. And then we run from the outer exogenous world instead of in, endogenously, intrinsically, from what we most meaningful and most inspiring. So finding out what we value most and prioritizing our life and focusing on that and doing it in a way that is a contribution to the people in their values, not changing their values, is the most meaningful, productive, profitable, inspiring and present life. Mm. So I just tell people to do that. Work towards that. Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. What are some of the daily habits or rituals that you practice that enable you to stay focused and live your dream life? Well, my simple... I, I don't uh, live to eat. I eat to live. I eat prioritized food. Yeah. So what I do is, uh, you know, I just had a salad of uh, carrots, broccoli, uh, some various greens, quinoa, rice, bits of chicken, some herbs on it. I had some yogurt this morning and some fruit. And I had uh, tonight, I'll probably have some fish and some vegetables. I eat pretty well. Yeah. So I, I eat well. I drink water. I don't drink. I haven't had soft drinks. I haven't had coffee. I've had three cups of coffee my entire life. Wow. So I don't drink coffee. I don't drink stimulants. I don't drink alcohol. I just drink water because I, to me, I, I want a universal solvent that is the most stabilizing component because any volatility kind of distracts and shortens lifespans. So I just drink a lot of water. I do a little exercise each morning, nothing major. I don't, I'm not a gym freak, yeah. but I do a little exercise and stretching every day. I'm going on 65, so I'm doing pretty good for energy compared to most people. <laughs> Absolutely. And, 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 uh, and then I get to, to, to work, and I, I'm either doing, I'm speaking during the day, I'm doing interviews, I'm doing consults, I'm writing articles, I'm doing media interviews, or filming for documentaries or movies or something, and I'm teaching every day, or I'm traveling. And when I'm traveling, I'm usually researching and writing, yeah. or I'm resting if I have to get rest. So I got a very kind of simple system. I don't yeah. waver too much from that. I'm kind of... Super inspired. You can rely on me to be doing that. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Um, just last couple of ones. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with Kiki K. So if you are, have you got a Kiki K favorite product or have you got a favorite stationary product that you always use? 
you know, I'm I'm don't carry stationery around. Usually the hotels have that. Yeah. I'll sometimes use cards. Yeah. That go out to people, Beautiful. as you know, and then I'll be using the the stationery. Yeah. But I I'm really pretty simple guy. Uh, I'll make notes. In fact, there's an, a a priority note sitting on that desk right there. If you look, yeah. you'll see there's a little sheet and it's got a bunch of things, and I'm checking them off as I go. Yeah. And I'll use that on the notepad. I've got it at my computer for doing most everything I do. Yeah. It's although it's downstairs right now, at my seminar room. My my ritual is uh, my gratitudes are usually by emails or person. I don't do a lot of. I don't have a phone like I said, so yeah, I'm yeah. perfect. I'm simple guy. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I'm particularly interested to know, as I know I'm, I'm an avid reader, and I would love to know your favorite book and why. People ask me that. In fact, a guy asked me today, because I've had the blessing to read 30,230 books now. Wow. I, I do a lot of reading, as you can imagine. That is very impressive. Yeah. So the favorite books that I tell people that is wise to, to devour is actually, there are two volumes by Mortimer Adler called Syntopican Volumes 1 and 2. Yeah. S-Y-N-T-O-P-I-C-O-N, Syntopicon, volumes one and two. And what it is, is the greatest minds over the last 2,700 years discussing the greatest, most prioritized ideas that affect human beings and summarizing the synthesis of their ideas into a beautifully articulative, syncretic, clear summary. It's Syntopicon, and it covers... The most important topics that a human being can face. I believe it's a, I would consider it, if you really understand those two volumes, it's like a PhD in life. Wow. So I recommend people to read that. And almost all my students have said, get that, get those two books, read those two books as an overview about life. Great. Thank you. We'll link to them in the show notes. One final question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you're in your late teens, what advice would you have give you, given yourself knowing what you know now? I wouldn't change a thing. I'd say, go for it. Yeah, You're on track, man. I always say that you're never off track. You just think you are. And the only time you think you are is when you compare your actions to somebody else's values. You judge yourself when you compare your actions to other people's values. And you judge others when you project your values onto their actions. If you honor your own actions through your own values, you'll have gratitude daily because you'll realize that you made the decision wisely and you only judged it as unwisely when you compared it to what you thought you should have done yeah. based on some authoritative values. Yeah. So just honor yourself. Appreciate yourself. I wouldn't change anything. I have nothing to, I don't have any regrets back there. I don't have anything. Oh, I wish I'd have done this. I should have done that. I don't live like that. I just yeah. go, every one of those pieces. People go, you think you should share that part of your life? And I go, it's part of my life. It's who I am. Yeah. Oh, what will people think? I don't care. <laughs> I'm not worried about that. That's what made me me. I'm I'm grateful for me. So there's nothing I need to change about it. That is a perfect way of ending this super inspiring episode. Thank you so much. And thank you for all that you do to the world. I encourage every person listening to this to see you live. I have never seen anything like it in terms yeah, don't, of... Yeah, don't wait till I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going to live forever. And I, I think it's so inspiring to see you. And also the knowledge you have is just incredible and super inspiring. And I'm very grateful. And I look forward to seeing many more seminars and webinars or whatever you're doing in the future. So thank, thank you. you so much for Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, what an inspiring chat. Such amazing advice on how we should all stop comparing ourselves to others and start living a life more aligned with what we value the most. 
I could honestly listen to Dr. Martini for hours and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. One of the most vital messages I took from our chat was how important it is to discover our core values. By really getting to know ourselves and understanding what truly inspires and drives us, we can then make decisions to live a life in accordance with this rather than letting someone else decide what is the most important to us. I believe so strongly in this and I have been so inspired by Dr. Dean Martini's teaching that in my book, Your Dream Life Starts Here, you'll find chapters dedicated to finding out who you are and how to be guided by what you truly value. If you haven't got a copy yet, I encourage you to do so as it is full of essential and simple steps to help you on your journey of uncovering your values and chasing your dreams, whatever they may be. And also grab a copy of the Dream Life Journal I have created to go with it. Another great place to start is to check out my 101 Dreams audio guide at kiki-k.com forward slash dream life. If you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe for plenty more inspiration. And please tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I would really appreciate your support with my big crazy dream to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams on paper and then go and chase them. So please help us spread this inspiring message to even more people by sharing our podcast on social media with the hashtag 101 million dreamers. Until next time, don't forget to dream big and chase your dreams.